balance sheet. Many of us are awaiting news from our jobs and schools and caretakers to help us figure out our next steps. And one silver lining of COVID-19 that I've heard a lot is that we're opening up to each other about the struggle of juggling jobs, kids, parents, pets, and a lot more. This juggling act isn't anything new, but it's new for a lot of us to be discussing it so openly with our colleagues. In this episode, I spoke with Liz Gulliver, the co-founder of Kunik. While working in finance and considering her own family planning, Liz saw her friends and family struggle to manage both career and family in a broken system. Kunik is on the forefront of developing actionable, practical solutions for parents throughout this crisis and beyond. Like me, Liz is a new parent, so she brings firsthand experience to the table, but she's also so knowledgeable about what working parents need to thrive and the hurdles that they face. Here's my conversation with Liz. Liz, you're a new parent yourself. You have a nearly one-year-old son, uh, and congratulations are also in order because you're pregnant. Uh, First of all, you're five months, right? So tell us how you're feeling. You know, I have been so much more tired this pregnancy, (laughs) so much more tired. And I don't know, I I think it's a combination of COVID, of having another kid, everything. Luckily, not too much on the other symptoms, but it's pretty exhausted for sure. I just remember being so uncomfortable in the summer months and I didn't even have another child to chase around. So I cannot even imagine. And on top of all that, you, like me, are working from home without childcare. How are you managing working while parenting? Yeah. So we, um, my husband and I both work for ourselves, not together. We had two separate companies, but we work for ourselves. We used to have a co-working space. We're obviously not going down there. We used to have childcare. We're not doing that right now either. So we're doing a lot of shifts, a lot of like, I am more of a morning person. He's more of a night person. So I tend to, I usually used to get up around six. I'm getting up more around 4.30 right now to get work done, which is very early. Um, but that's, you know, how, how we're making it work because also our son decided to stop sleeping two naps during COVID, which is pretty traditional. I mean, kids usually give up the second nap somewhere around a year, but he started walking and gave up his second nap during COVID, which are great, fantastic milestones that I wish were happening when we had childcare providers. <laughs> so it's like, because you used to be able to set him down and kind of walk out of the room a little bit or like be on your laptop or something. And now he needs, that's why we have to do it in shifts because there's no such thing as, as working at all while you're watching him because he's moving and cruising, but he started walking, you know, three weeks ago. So it's, there's a lot of bruising, a lot of falling when you're with him, it's a very hands-on situation. So that's why we're doing, you know, I'm doing this with you. My husband's with him right now. It's, we're just doing a lot of taking turns, honestly. And we're trying to be, you know, as much as we can, we're trying to embrace it. I mean, I remember I was like not a great teenager. So I know that a time will come when he does not want to be with us. And as hokey as that sounds, and trust me, there are so many times during the day where we are banging our heads against a wall, but as much as we can, we're trying to look on positives of it. So we're doing a lot of getting outdoors, a lot of walking. We're in Miami. So it was it's been nice to be somewhere that's warm to be outside. Thank God for walks and thank God for our husbands. Quick shout out to husbands. Absolutely. Liz, you and I started talking a few months ago. I think I had just returned from maternity leave. And this topic of working parents was a really important one then. 
um, it's hard to overstate how important it is now that most of us are working remotely. Tell me about the struggles you're hearing from parents today. Yeah, you know, one of the things I think is most interesting about watching what's happening with working parents right now, both as you think about benefits, but also as you just think about the parents themselves, is that so much of working parenthood has been focused on visible parents. So working parent has been synonymous with pregnant women for a long time. That's what benefits are engaged at. That's what companies see. And I think what we're happening right now is that you're realizing how many parents are out there in a workforce. I talk to companies all the time. No company I've ever spoken with actually knows how many working parents they have because unless kids are on a healthcare plan, they just don't know. And all of a sudden you're realizing people say, I didn't realize that person was a step parent. I didn't realize that that person had adoptive kids. I didn't realize that that person had teenagers. And so you're seeing this massive range. And I think two things are coming out of that. One, we're realizing there's a lot more working parents in the workforce than we ever knew, which meant these people were not getting any help because nobody even knew they were there. And two, I think we're realizing how much the challenges continue. So you have a nine-month-old, I have a 12-month-old. We know that first year is incredibly intense. It's a very acute period of time where you need a ton of assistance. We were just talking about breastfeeding and all the challenges that go into that and different things. But I think what we're really seeing right now, too, that's pretty fascinating is elementary school, middle school, high school, there's a huge host of challenges out there that haven't really been talked about. And for a long time, there's been this phenomenon of secret parenting and people not having pictures of kids at work and people not saying, you know, when they leave work, they're going to an appointment, they're not going to a soccer practice or whatever it is they're going to. And I think that this hopefully is going to break some of those barriers. I I don't, we don't know for sure, but it's, you can't go back to work and forget that those people had kids, you saw them. So at the very minimal level, there's going to be a greater awareness in the workplace about how many different people have kids and also how different a lot of those family structures are. And so when I'm talking with people, you know, I talk to hundreds of working parents every day and the challenges I'm seeing, you know, you and I shout out to our husbands. I talk to a lot of single parents. That's its own bucket of challenges. I talk to a lot of people whose partner is uh, in the medical field. So that's been a challenge. A lot of people whose partner is staying in a hotel room with other medical care workers because they don't want to risk bringing something home to their family. So all of a sudden, they're by default a single parent. People who have teenagers who have licenses and live in places where they can drive. And how much do you give them flexibility to go out and and take advantage of those things? And you want to encourage their adulthood, but you also want to keep people safe or people who have, you know, elementary school kids and how much freedom are you giving them or not? And so there's just, you know, the challenges range from how do I get work done to how do I keep my family safe to how do we all stay sane? And I think what's interesting is each section of that, each age group comes with its own challenges. I wouldn't say any greater or lesser than the other, but certainly a much broader spectrum that I think any of us were really, truly aware of before this. Yeah. It's so interesting. I did actually give that some thought while I was pregnant, uh, that I was basically wearing my maternity, wearing my motherhood. Mm -hmm. But when I was no longer pregnant, I was back from maternity leave. And of course, people asked me how I was doing, how Julian was doing, but I kind of went back to being my work self, if that makes sense. And I think what's interesting about this time now is we're all being reminded of each other's humanity and that 
might mean our parents or our children or our pets. I think humanity is such a good word for it too, because one thing I've noticed, and you know, I talk to working parents specifically, so I'm sure for stay-at-home parents, there's all sorts of different challenges they're facing right now. But for working parents, of course, work is half that equation, right? And the difference in how some companies are communicating, even just communication with their employees, and I, what's been is pretty fascinating for me to see is how far little things go. So a boss saying, hey, we're all in the same boat, I get it, but then actually demonstrating that by saying, I'm doing split shifts with my partner or my wife or whomever, and so I'm gonna be offline from 11 till one, and you can catch me afterwards. So it's not just saying, it's actually acting on those things. And I've seen that it makes a massive mental difference for their employees to know and breathe that sigh of relief of, okay, my boss is not just saying we're all in the same boat, we are genuinely all in the same boat, or even managers who aren't parents who are saying, hey, we get it and we're going to move promotion cycles. We're going to change you know, feedback loops, whatever that is. I, it's been a very stark difference in how that makes. And I don't mean big things like removing work, giving Fridays off. Those are bigger things. I get that. But little tiny communications here and there are about humanity and it is about connecting. And when that's happening, you can feel it. So let's back up a little bit. I want to know about your background and how you came up with the idea for Kunik. Yeah. So I uh, have always worked in finance before founding Kunik. I worked in investment consulting before business school, hedge funds, private equity, and banking after business school. So kind of everything you can do in finance, I've done it. I started Kunik. I was working at a large bank at the time. I was actually in a rotational program. So I'd gone through their New York, Mexico City, and Miami offices. I was starting to think about having a family. And at the office that I was at at that point in time, it was Miami. There were almost no women above me who were mothers. There were women, but they were not mothers. And so I started thinking, what is this going to look like? At the same time, I had a sister who had just gone back to work after her second kid. She's a C-level employee at a large public company. And she, you know, best benefits that she could have, best support network, she could have financial assistance, all of that. And it was still so hard. And I was watching simultaneously, I'd gone to business school. Like I said, I was watching women who I went to business school with who they got an extra degree, you know, and, and were at these companies that are the best that you can get for benefits. And they were still leaving the workforce without wanting to. So it really just struck me all of a sudden that this is an incredibly broken system. As I started looking into it more, what I realized is that families have changed. There's more dual income homes. There's more single mother homes. There's more same sex couples, huge different array of families. And yet the benefits out there for parents, for working parents had not changed at all. So you had these two totally divergent sectors and what was happening is they were just not aligned anymore. And it, you know, is not only important to the parents, but it also was impacting the company. So it was impacting profitability, it was impacting diversity. You look at the gender gap, you look at the wage gap, a lot of those motherhood, it's 2020, it's almost 2021 actually. And that's still the largest career ramp, off ramp for anybody. That's, you know, until we fix that, how are we ever going to close the gender gap and the wage gap? So that's where I started looking in. And the gaps that I saw were that there was nothing that was ongoing. It was all focused on that visible part of it. And, and listen, we were just talking about our deliveries beforehand. I, I partner with a lot of people who work in that space. I think it's fantastic that there's so much focused on pregnant women. I also think you need more in addition to that. 
So I saw that there was very little around community, very little around coaching, and nothing that was open and inclusive to all working parents. And I, I love women's groups. I'm talking to you. I love talking to women's groups. I'm a member of women's groups. But I also firmly believe that until you open that conversation and include all parents, include dads, include same-sex parents, include everybody in it, you're not going to be able to drive change because when conversations happen in a silo, no changes happen. So that's why with Kunik, we've been very intentional since the beginning. We're about 40% men. It's completely open to all working parents. It focuses on that whole arc of zero to 18. And we do a lot of coaching with it because I think that that combination of community and coaching are what can really get parents through those transition points. Right. And I'm glad you brought that up because I know the coaches and experts are an integral part of Kunik, right? Yeah. So our coaches, I love our coaches. They're fantastic. They've, they've gotten me through planning my own leave, starting a company. I mean, I launched this company at the same time I had my baby. We were going into beta and my nine months pregnant and ramping up growth after birth. So they, my coaches got me through that. So I very much believe in their abilities to do that. But our coaches, what's unique about them and what I we've tried to build Kunik to do is they focus on three buckets at the intersection of work and parenting. So they focus on kids, everything from planning for your first to sending your last off to college. They focus on home, so co-parenting, multi-generational. I told you my in-laws are here. So multi-generational homes, family systems. If you can decrease stress at home, you decrease stress in the workplace. And then that big bucket of career and yourself. So promotions, productivity, time management, all of that, everything under the sun at that intersection of work and parenting. And what we do mostly is group coaching. We do have one-on-one for anybody who needs more additional support, but we found that group coaching uh, provides a space, a safe space for employees together to talk about issues, to share, to become vulnerable, to collaborate. So you have a couple of questions. I have a couple of questions. We learn from each other. It's much more interactive. And we've seen that the results, we have tested both private coaching and group coaching. And we've seen the results be much stronger out of group coaching. And there's very little of that in the workplace or for parents. So we also have, we have parenting groups, for example, bringing kind of bringing mom groups into 2020. Because what I found when I gave birth is that all the mom groups around me were really for stay-at-home moms, which is great. And they need that. But there was nothing where it was talking about, okay, and here's how you can plan for your leave. And here's how you can ramp up. And here are some of the issues you're going to face when you go back to the office. And that's what I really wanted. So we target these small groups and our group coaching at those transition points, whether that's your first kid, bringing your fourth into it, or really, you know, ramping up on your career and taking a promotion to a more manager level position and how that changes your dynamics at home and how you have to think about it. Because all of those transition points throughout they're vulnerable places, right? It's when you have increased stress, increased workload. It's when you're at risk for off-ramping. And I think that often the focus is looking at people off-ramping after their first kid in those first six months. I'm sure that's a big part of it, but you can lose parents at any point throughout the journey. And frankly, you're going to lose your moms before you lose your dads. And so if you want to maintain that gender equity in your firm, it's important to continue to invest in those working parents throughout their career at all of those different transition points. I just love about the company that it really focuses on all of these stages after maternity leave or after like your first child is one year old, because I feel like that time gets a lot of attention and like you always hear people in an office being like, oh, are you getting any sleep when someone first has a baby? But after that stage, I forget the term you use, secret. Yeah, secret parenting. Yes, secret parenting. I love that concept. 
And like, again, I can only imagine because my son is not even one, but I am assuming that as he gets older, the activities are going to ramp up and probably the stress is going to ramp up. Absolutely. Bigger kids, bigger problems. (laughs) Right, exactly. So it sounds like the older our children get, the less our parenthood is recognized by our companies. Absolutely. Benefits stop. It's when most managers stop checking in, but it's also when most people struggle. So the data actually is very clear around this. Most people drop off their career within 48 months of having a firstborn, not within six months. So it's that second year, as you're transitioning it, as you're getting back into it, that's very vulnerable. And it actually, what was most shocking to me recently is Harvard Business School did a, a very intensive look at this. And they found the more senior you are, the more likely you are to leave the workforce as a parent. So your manager of teens is even more likely to leave after having a kid or within two years of having a kid than your analyst who's had a kid. And that's very dangerous for companies because that top talent is harder to replace. It's more expensive. It takes with it a lot more of the learning curve. It dis- it's more disruptive to your, to your entire organization. And it actually stays steady throughout. So your manager of teams followed by your manager of people followed by your senior level managers, followed by your VPs, all the way down. The lower you are on the totem pole, the less likely you are to leave at any point and give parenthood as the reason. The more senior you are, the more likely you are to leave as a parent. And I think that speaks to the fact that most of those people don't have a newborn. They have a kid who might be having a chronic health issue. They have three kids all of a sudden instead of one kid. And after your first kid, people are kind of like, well, you know what you're doing, right? You're fine. Yeah. Okay, good. And that's not the case. You're you're dealing with new dynamics. You're dealing with a partner in many places who's also getting more senior in their career. So all of a sudden, both of you have an increased workload. And more often than not, we know when there's childcare issues at home, it's women who take it. When somebody has to leave the workforce for childcare, it's women. That's incredibly clear. And so it's actually pretty striking that the more senior you get, the slightly older your kids are, the more likely you are to leave the workforce. So I think to your point, absolutely. Once you don't have a baby, it can be very hard to get that support. And that's where I think this visibility that we're seeing right now is so huge. And that's why I think the community aspect of it is so important too. The coaching is phenomenal for giving you very practical, effective tools that you can put into place today to start improving things. The community is what makes you feel less isolated, less vulnerable, more supported holistically at your firm. And I think what's interesting is as a lot of companies look at DE and I efforts, for example, Parenthood is kind of the the mother of all of that, right? Across your Hispanic, Latino, veteran, black, LGBTQ, parents are all of that. And so if you really do build a genuinely inclusive working parent community, you're actually enhancing all of your diversity and inclusion efforts because that connects everyone. And as companies set goals on gender, you know, we're seeing that more and more, right? Companies setting goals on we're going to get to X percent of women in leadership. Well, if you want to get there, you better start supporting working parents because those moms are the ones who are leaving who aren't getting to those leadership levels. So I think it has been ignored. I hope it will become harder to ignore after this period. And I think that as people realize that how intimately it is tied to other goals at the company, it is something that will start to get some more visibility. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's talk about how it actually works. How does Kunik partner with the employer to provide these benefits? Yeah, 
First of all, by the way, I'm really glad you said benefit because a lot of people, when they talk about uh, things for working parents, they call them perks. And I feel like the language is so important because if you consider supporting a working parent the same as ordering a taxi after X hour at an office, we've got a different starting point, right? We built Kunik to be highly scalable. And that was based a lot on what I saw early on. So I, like I said, come from finance. And so what I was seeing is that you know, coming out of business school, my friends in consulting and finance and tech were at the best companies and they had all the best resources. And I started thinking, wait a minute, what about all these parents at all these smaller companies and all these other companies? So Kunik's a very customizable solution. You can adapt it to meet the needs of your workforce, depending on how many parents you have and depending on your budget. So we do two things when we work with companies. We build out a private group for you, and that's building out, if you're familiar with the term ERG, employee resource groups, we either will take over that group and run it for you because it's a highly intensive process, usually run by employees, usually run by women, usually at no pay. But according to uh, BU, Boston University, it's 1.5x an employee to run one of those groups. So it's just an example of unpaid high labor that women are doing in the workforce. So we take over running that parent group. If you don't have one, we'll build one up from scratch. You have a custom community manager who's dedicated just to your group and they work on the engagement. And that's all about getting all of your working parents going back to that DNI list, going back to including dads, heavily dads in that different levels of management. And then we work on your custom programming. So that's the coaching where we bring in these coaches to come in and do group sessions. It's all live online, but also recorded for you guys. So you build out this evergreen content of library of, of parenting information. So as you have new parents join the firm, they're able to access it as parents age into different topics. They're able to access it. What we've been doing right now is a lot of additional support around COVID. So we've brought in new coaches. We like to stay ahead of what's happening. We have new coaches talking about, you know, crisis management, leading teams at home and at work, remote work, strategies for working from home with kids. We have a session tomorrow on independent play and getting through this summer without childcare. And then we've also brought in people covering topics, you know, like how to talk to your kids about race and racism, how as a manager to identify unconscious bias in the workplace. So depending on what's going on, we're constantly changing the, the experts that we offer, but we work with about 250 different coaches. So we really cover a huge range of topics. Um, and those are available. We customize that based on your parenting group. So it, we view ourselves as a partner to HR people teams and to working parents within the company. So we take care of all of the logistics, the back end, and depending on how much coaching, how intensive you want it to be, that's very scalable and very cost cost efficient for you. That's the other thing with group coaching, right? Is that a lot of coaching is one-to-one, which is a lot more expensive than taking one coach and dividing it across 50 working parents. And actually it's, Something that's been interesting for us is during COVID, a lot of our companies, a lot of our corporate partners have been asking us if we would make our coaching available to their entire workforce. Because a lot of the coaching that we do, while very relevant to working parents, is also applicable to other employees. So our crisis management training, our productivity training, all of that, we're now doing workforce-wide for a lot of our partners if they want to do that. Because everybody, whether you have kids at home or not, this is a huge adjustment period and a time when getting some expert lessons and guidance on that is effective. Definitely. We could all use some extra support right now, not just parents. Um, But speaking as a parent, I dropped the ball with something at work the other day, and I know it's because I'm just not focused. And I was like to my husband, Mike, I'm just not cut out for this. (laughs) Glad I'm not alone. (laughs) 
But it's funny though, Mike is really, really busy with work and he's definitely you know, feeling the anxiety that we're all feeling, but he's enjoying this time a lot more than I am. And in fact, I'd go as far as to say he's loving this time. (laughs) And um, I think a lot of men feel like they need to rush back to work after their baby is born and paternity leave is definitely not looked at the same way maternity leave is. Uh, So unfortunately, he missed a lot in those early months of Julian's life. You know, I think that's one of the hard parts. If you are in a two-parent household with a male and female partner, there is only so much the dad can do in the beginning. Right. Because it's your body and there's only so much they can do. But the older that kid gets, the more and more and more involved those dads get. And what's sad is how many dads we talk to on a daily basis who are trying to do more with their kids and they just feel handcuffed at work in terms of being able to do that and how many dads we talk to who are loving this situation because they're getting that time with them and we've spoken to so many dads who are saying i can't go back to the way it was now that i've had this concentrated time with my 12 year old with my 14 year old whatever it is with my six year old i can't go back to you know seeing them for an hour before bed every night and so how am i going to work with my company i'll put in different hours, I'll do different things. And it's, I think the other thing that's not totally related to parents, but I I hope is helpful out of this situation for people is that I think a lot of the myths around remote work have been alleviated by this. I think people have seen how much can get done remotely, how much teams can, does it take different planning? Does it take different strategies? You bet. But can you still accomplish a significant amount? And that's not to say we're never going back to the office. I mean, trust me, there are days I really miss my office and I'm dying to get out of my house and away from my child for a few hours. But I think the idea of having to be in an office for those extended periods of time and the idea that if somebody is on flexible work, which is usually parents and carries a stigma with it, I think a lot of that stigma will also be lifted after this, hopefully. And providing that flexibility is so crucial to all of your employees and especially your caregivers. Yeah, that's definitely the silver lining. Uh, The last thing I want to ask you, Liz, is if you can tell us about a podcast that you're really into right now. Ooh, well, I always love how I built this with Guy Raz because I'm a huge Guy Raz fan, but I love these resiliency. Have you seen he's now talking to, so he always talks to a founder about starting their company. So of course, as a founder, I love hearing those, but right now they're talking about resiliency and what it means to be a resilient entrepreneur or employee or founder or anything or leader, a lot talking about resilient leadership. And so I'm finding that very highly applicable. But then I also have this one called Having a Night, which is about cooking and dinner parties. And it is just pure escapism. And I'm also very much enjoying that because I love, I love food and we can't go to restaurants right now. And, and I love cooking, but I'm also getting a little tired of cooking right now. And so this one is like a way to enjoy kind of food and dinner culture again in short, little, very uh, highly entertaining episodes. That sounds great. I also love to cook, but oh my God, am I sick of cooking Right. and the constant cleaning. And the cleaning. So three meals a day and the amount... I've never run my dishwasher so many times. I mean, I don't understand how we are getting dirty this many dishes and glasses every day. I know. I told Mike, I'm going to order three more sets of utensils. I've also become so, my husband, I'm driving him nuts because every time I see a glass or a coffee cup, I'm like, you don't need another one. You have one over there. Reuse it. We're falling apart. It's terrible. 
Well, Liz, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so fun just getting to know you. My pleasure. Um, I'd love to do a series together on working from home with babies and kids as school starts back up again and whatever else is in our futures. Absolutely. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me on. 